And that's the original Illuminati that we... Yeah, the, yeah. the Bavarian, the, the real Illuminati. Right, right, right. And, and that, they're, that they're, you know, working to, to make the New World Order. Sure. Um, they did, and, though. And, they and were also, successful in the uh, mid to late 90s and early 2000s. But the creation of the United Nations. No, world no, dude. But the problem is, is eventually Vincent K. McMahon purchased the WCW <laughs> and broke apart well, we the all know. order. Welcome back to the Trilateral Troika. This is Steve along with the other Steve. <sighs> <laughs> Hi. And Ryan. Don't think I forgot. <laughs> Is that Snapple? Yeah, the, the best stuff on Earth. It's the other Snapple. <laughs> Whatever happened to Snapple? Was that another... I, I think it's still around, yeah, isn't it? they're still it? around. Yeah. They, they're still around giving delicious fruit beverages for all ages to enjoy. Yo, you know who's not around anymore and I'm very disappointed? Do you guys remember Fruitopia? No. I remember Fruitopia. No, what the hell Yo, was that? Dave. It was like it was like Snapple's diabetic brother, where it was like straight up flavored corn syrup. But they tried to like it was made by Coca Cola, and they tried to disguise it as like a fruit soda or some shit. I don't know. It was it was insane how many Fruitopia vending machines were in my damn high school. Oh, it was just out of control. The hell is that? I guarantee you've seen it and you've just repressed the memory. Of I just it looked it up. It absolutely and abysmal. I got sidetracked by the Jolt Cola can. <laughs> yeah, it it belongs in that uh that category of drinks. Like jolt, surge. It's like straight fucking sugar. Yeah. But Coca-Cola was like, oh no, it's made with fruit. Look at this one, for instance. <laughs> Strawberry <healthy>. kiwi. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> it contains fruit flavorings. And uh speaking of Coca-Cola, Steve, what's today's episode on? <laughs> I don't know. Today, Steve, what's today's episode? Today on? we're talking about orbits. Do y'all remember Orbits? It's Wait. disgusting. Orbits? Do you mean like the uh, travel site? No, oh, no Orbits, no, no. the the drink that had like... Yeah, with the little jellies in it that flew yeah, around. I don't, you, I don't mean, know what they do you were. Mean like, do you mean white boba? <laughs> yeah. Listen, Orbits is like boba's older cousin. It's white boba. Great no, value boba tea. tea. Yeah, great value boba. That's what Orbitz is. Anyway. Tastes just like it. These aren't. Kirk, this is not Kirkwood recycled bike brand. tires. That's not what this is. <laughs> <laughs> no, we don't have any investment in mountain biking organizations. No, what are you talking about? <laughs> well, today we're actually going to be talking about the people behind Orbitz. Secret <gasps> Society. Hey. <laughs> So spooky, spooky uh, society. We put the that. little balls in the orbits. <laughs> Bunch of people around like a like a like a very like each long and every table. one of you has balls inside of you that we put in the orbits. It's actually, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if there was if that uh the Teflon coating thing. <laughs> you know, like how everyone has that one chemical in their body now. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if that's some kind of thing. They're going to activate that fucking chemical sequence any day now. <laughs> We're all going to fall prostrate. Have, 
in Someone front of Eric Roberts. We're all going to turn into a nonstick surface. Yeah. We're just going to slide around. <laughs> sliding everywhere. Oh, shit. Like hey, honey, where are disappear. you going? Stop sliding. I can't stop sliding. I literally am nonstick. That's a, that, that sounds like a, a Jerry Seinfeld bit, you know? It's not stick. That would be funny for like the first 30, 40 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It'd be very like Larry Moe and Curly for like the first like 40 seconds. And then you'd be like, all right, this shit's got to stop. Then it turns into Laurel and Hardy, and it's, it's funny, but it's not as funny. And then all of a sudden, it's just like talkies. Well, listen, you got you to gotta, you gotta think of it in this terms, too. Like, yeah, you would be able to walk. You'd slide everywhere. But every time yeah. you tried to grab something, that thing would just whoop, slip out of your hands. Let me ask you a philosophical question. If you were completely nonstick, right, and let's say everyone's moving in a certain direction right now, what percentage uh-huh. of the population fucking dies? A hundred. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that's like the start of one of those post-apocalyptic like movies where they show like society's collapse or whatever the disaster and like planes no falling out of the sky. Steve with Teflon. Steve, being completely non-stick is just like having the flu. It's not a big deal. You can, you can still go outside. It's not a big deal. You just have to maintain social distancing because, well, it actually would be the opposite. You have to maintain social closeness because if you're too far apart. You know, it's like two objects in space, you know, just slam into each other and explode. Didn't the Magic School Bus have an episode on gravity and friction one time? Uh, Probably. I think so, yeah. I feel like they did, and, like, they basically... I never watched the Magic School Bus. That was always (gasps) one of those shows where it was just, like... What? You know, I saw it, and I was like, I don't need this shit, and I turned on Turtles. They didn't show you in school, (laughs) the Magic School Bus? What kind of shitty school did you go to, man? Catholic school, bro. Oh yeah. You know what we watched in in seventh grade like four times? Escape from Sobibor, <laughs> which is a uh, a uh, concentration camp movie with Rutger Hauer. <gasps> Why the? F- I mean, yeah. okay. So I one time I was my, chewing my- gum while we were watching Escape from Sobibor, and Sister Nancy told me to take the gum out of my mouth and stick it on my forehead for the rest of the movie, and I had to do it. Rip. Okay. <sighs> Not even joking either. She used to make people put it on the end of their nose and shit. I'm like, that's an effective gum removal technique right there. Not really, because as soon as an eighth grader, an eighth grader does not want to sit around with gum on their nose, dude. Come on, it's like buying orbits. Yeah, but (laughs) an eighth grader would always also rather have gum than have to throw the gum away. That's true. That's true. Speaking of gum, let's talk about the skull and bones or something. Secret societies, there's not really a like exact qualification about what makes a secret society a secret society, other than it's usually an organization that has um, limited membership. Um, it's it's what it does and what goes on in it is not known to the public, and there are usually like secret rights and tiers of, of membership. Um, and there's been sort of secret societies throughout um, throughout history. Um, a lot of them usually had a religious undertone to them, um, usually what is called like a mystery religion, um, which were more popular in sort of ancient times and are still kind of popular today. Scientology. Um, th- those, those were sort of like a secret society. Yeah, Scientology could be described as a secret society um, because it sort of has those – it has those tiers of membership, and then it also has sort of secrets you're not supposed to know. Right. Mm. 
like the one that spit. the one that they revealed to uh, your girl from uh, King of Queens, Leah, oh, Leah, Leah, Remini. Leah Remini. Yeah, dude, she's so hot. And then she goes on Joe Rogan, and she's like, "They told me what the secret was, and I fucking vamoosed." <laughs> she's like, "I got, I'm, I am done. Here's the secret. How fucking stupid is that?" What was the secret? Did she tell everybody? Uh, I can't remember what it was. All the it, it was all the stuff is thing. on the internet. Yeah, it's all well, I mean, it's all know, completely. I just want to condense. Down There's to a, a YouTube video. I'm American. There's a YouTube video of her on Rogan, and she uh, she says it. The like the the highest tier or whatever isn't even like a well like thought out thing or whatever. It's just like scribblings on a piece of paper. Like like it's just something that like L. Ron Hubbard just like scribbled down in a notebook. And that's considered like the the highest level of like of clear or whatever. Yeah. So since we can't really you know start this at the beginning of time, I'm going to focus on some specific groups. And the first one is uh, Rosicrucianism. Oh, I'm shit. sorry. What? Uh, Rosicrucianism. Um, the rose. The rose cross. Okay. Um, and and Rosicrucianism is sort of based on these manifestos. That got published anonymously in Germany in 1614 and 1617. Um, the first one is the the Fama Fraternitatis um, Work through it. <laughs> RC, <laughs> the the fame of the Brotherhood of RC, um, and it tells about this guy named Father um, Cr, um, and he sort of has like he's almost like a superhero. Um, he goes on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem, and while he's there, he's sort of um, tutored by these men um, who knew the secrets of the East. Um, and, and he goes to Arabia, and he studies under some wise men there, and he learns all this like ancient and esoteric knowledge um, involving like physics, mathematics, the Kabbalah. Right. Um, and then he returns through Egypt um, and North Africa, and then um, he spends some time in Spain. Um, with the Muslims there. And then he makes a big shit post, and everyone wants to be in a secret society about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and a lot of a lot of sort of um, parts in, in Rosencruz's pilgrimage um, is, is sort of like the, the steps um, to, to transmute the great work, which in alchemy is, is sort of making the Philosopher's Stone. Um, so there's a lot of symbolism in, in how he Harry goes about Potter? his journey. Yeah. yeah. What? what? <laughs> That's correct. What? Okay, so then what is the Philosopher's Stone that they're trying to make? The, the, the Philosopher's Stone is usually, um, it, it's sort of like this um, mythical item you can create that allows you to transmute um, base metals to gold. Yeah, it depends on what your your uh, mystery religion is, but generally it's, yeah, it's if, if yeah. it's in physical alchemy, then it's just literally transmuting. If we're talking her, Hermes, Hermes tries majestus, it's probably spiritual. Yeah, huh. no. um, and he he comes back to Germany, and he he and some other guys establish um, a, a Christian fraternity called the Fraternity of the Rose Cross, um, and he sends the brothers on, a, on missions throughout the world um, to use their their knowledge to you know cure the sick free of charge. Um, they can't wear any special clothing, and they um, and they meet um, once a year um, at, at this place called the House of the Holy Spirit. 
You got that? <laughs> they meet, so they meet at a haunted house once a year <laughs> and have a big costume party bash. And they're not, they, because every other day of the year, they're not allowed to wear costumes. So they go every. Mother Teresa, the prequel. The house of the. They called it the Holy Spirit because the church raised a shit bit. Uh, Who, whoever whoever stays the longest wins Rosen Cruz's fortune <laughs> in the in the haunted in the haunted uh, Holy Spirit. Uh, his fortune um, is literally the the actual philosopher's stone. Jesus, <laughs> or it's like a it's like a make believe philosopher's stone. In in sixteen fifteen, um, the Confessio uh, Fraternitatis. Um, the Confession of the Brotherhood of R.C. Um, is, is written, and it sort of uh, declares the existence of the secret brotherhood again um, of, of alchemists and sages, um, and then um, they are sort of um, hinted at being, or, or you can sort of interpret it, that society in Europe is on like the verge of, of like great change, and that the political and intellectual landscape of Europe is going to change, and these guys are going to be there to sort of like make sure it goes through because it's supposed to be this positive event. Is this mm. is this okay. is the 1600s? Yeah, it's it's still in the the 17th century. Okay. Um, and this this sort of adds to the previous work, and, and it sort of um, sort of gives a little more to their um, their philosophy. Sort of um, spells it out a lot, um, a lot simpler than this whole story about like Rosencruz's like journey around the world. So they started, like, right around the French Enlightenment. Yeah, well, the, the thing is, is that um, no one really knows who wrote the conf- the Confessio uh, Fraternitatis. Um, and there is, like, some, some people claim that it might have been Francis Bacon, but, like, everybody claims that Francis Bacon wrote, like, every, like, popular anonymous, like, work from that period. And... <clears throat> so, so stay nobody- with me here. Follow, follow me. Is... Is it possible Shakespeare wrote it? It's possible. So Shakespeare or wrote the Confessio uh, Fraternitatis. <laughs> <laughs> Shakespeare I'm wrote it. I'm just saying, they, they've tried to attribute... Spake, uh, I'm sorry. Oh, fuck. It's Jameson. I love the characters in it. Rosencruz. They've tried to equate Shakespeare to writing a bunch of stuff that he didn't actually write, didn't, didn't they? There's, there's like a whole thing of like people claiming... Um, it, it's not that Shakespeare's they say a that, like, long conversation. Not, not well. The the thing about Shakespeare is that there are lost works of Shakespeare, which is usually like the big thing, and like somebody will find something and they'll say, or they'll they'll create a forgery and they'll say it's one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but but usually the the mystery around Shakespeare was if he was actually a real person, or if he was multiple people, or if it was like a pen name for somebody else. That's oh, okay. usually the the thing with uh, Shakespeare. Gotcha. Um, and then the the third work is the chemical wedding of Christian uh, Rosencross, and which comes after the chemical romance. Yeah. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> and it's sort of a, an allegoric romance story um, that, that's you. sort of di- divided into Shut seven up. days or seven journeys. Um, in, in sort one, of like in one of those journeys, the main character is not okay. <laughs> he goes to a black parade, <laughs> and he says, "I'm not okay." And then they go, "Well, we'll help you." Oh my god! 
Um, it, it's sort of the, the the use of the number seven is like like Genesis because even though they're like a weird sort of occult organization, they're a weird like Christian occult organization. Didn't you kind of have to be like you kind of had to throw that in there? Even if you were like a satanic organization, you had to be like we're a Christian <laughs> satanic organization. Yeah, we're totally Christian. Don't let the church burn us at the stake for this. We're, we're totally Christian. We're all about JC, dude. We're not studying Satan. We're studying Christian Satan. <laughs> <laughs> and and sort of in this this story christian rosencruz gets invited to a wedding at this sort of like like magical castle um and he's there to assist in the the chemical wedding um of the the king and queen of the castle so what is a chemical wedding um it, well the, the use of the term chemical, which is C-Y-M-I-C-A-L, which is an old form of the, the modern day term chemical, um, it it's usually refers to like alchemy. Okay. And then so um, the, the sacred marriage is sort of like going back to sort of this like use of alchemy as a force to sort of um, uplift things. So basically um, they're doing alchemy instead of signing a marriage license. Well, it's it's just sort of an allegory for like an alchemical process, uh, um, and, and in so this case, it's more of alchemy, um, in the sense of like the spirit. So it's not actually people getting married. Yeah, it's it's sort of just an allegory for the sort of prote- process of, of of using rituals and, and tests and gotcha. like resurrection and, and ascension. Okay. Um, okay. And so, sort of, it goes back to say that during Rosencruz's life, uh, that there were about eight members. Um, each of them was a was a doctor and a, and a sworn bachelor, um, and that they that they sort of undertook the oaths I had mentioned before, um, and that when when one of them died, they had to find a replacement. So this was the first rule: was no girls allowed. Yeah. Okay. This was the precursor there to was, Calvin and Hobbes. Was there just yeah, club. just a fucking piece of paper on the outside door? <laughs> Who keeps taking the piece of paper? Girls keep walking in here. <laughs> this is the gross club. Look, we're trying to find some secret shit. Can't have girls in here. I mean, I feel like to get rid of slimy girls club was absolutely a secret society. <laughs> the and and it sort of said that there were three generations of these these Rosen. Crucian brothers um, that that sort of passed between the time of when the story allegedly takes place, which is in the the 15th century, um, all the way to when it was actually written in the 17th century. Hmm. Okay. Um, and and at the time, the manifestos were not taken literally. Um, they they were either sort of regarded as as being hoaxes or, or allegorical in nature. Hmm. Because um, because they even state we speak unto you parables but would willingly bring you to the right, simple, easy, and and ingenuous exposition, understanding, declaration, and knowledge of all secrets. Right. Um, But it it goes on to sort of um, inspire um, these these sort of um, hermetic philosophers. Like Um, Ted Kaczynski. One one is is Heinrich uh, Kuhnrath of, of Hamburg. Um, and he sort of influences later on uh, John D. John D. One of my favorite. Is this, is this a D's No, bro. John D. was like the court magician. 
Like you need to re- you need to read about John D, dude. Unbelievable. Okay. Well, the, but so I, I I sort of misspoke that they were inspired. Or the the Rosencrucian Manifesto was inspired by the this Hermetic philosopher Heinrich Kuhnrath. Okay. Wait. So then. So where did John D fit in there? And and John D his um, he, he was inspired song? by by Kuhnrath. And then in the beginning of the chemical wedding of Christian Rosencruz, it opens with D's philosophical key, ah. the, the Monus hieroglyphica symbol. Okay. Yeah, John D, I think he was a beastie boy. Yeah. <laughs> he was he was Chuck D's cousin. Chuck D is oh, not a beastie featured, boy. I, I, I know, but I'm saying. Chuck D, Mike D, and John D. John D. We're going to start a band, but they broke up. <laughs> the, I, ref- I refuse to try to Google John D and see if I can just happen to find the right person. It's D-E-E. About. So John D-E-E. Yeah. You, can't, you, you can't miss him. He's a fucking occultist. Uh, okay. And the, the writer also claimed that they had a book um, by Paracelsus, um, oh, wow. who was this ancient philosopher historian... Um, who who was sort of like considered like one of the preeminent minds of um, the classical era? There's a lot of like documentaries and stuff, um, especially if I'm like on Netflix, where they talk about like secret societies and stuff like that. But they're all just so cheesy; I can't ever get through them. Yeah, some of them are really poorly done. They're just so corny. Yeah. It, in an autobiography of of an author named uh, Johann Valentin Andrea. Um, he claimed that he anonymously published the the chemical wedding of, of Christian Rosencruz, and that it was one of his works, um, and that he he describes it as being what's called a, a ludibrium, and a, a ludibrium is just sort of like, uh, like it's just like a like farcical. It, it's not meant to be like serious. It's, it's just sort of a fictional um, sort of tale. Oh, like the Bible. It, it's just it, it's just done as like um, for fun. Because gotcha. um, in in his later works, um, he he sort of goes against like he he says like alchemy is an object of ridicule. Hmm. Um, well, yeah, I mean, even back then it was. Yeah, well, he he says like because this is because you're getting into like sort of into the the almost to the Enlightenment, right? And so he he says like alchemy is like on the same level as like music, art, theater, and astrology, and that it's not like a serious like thing. Man, I wish it was. God, that'd be so fucking cool to still have alchemists around. You go to that um, place, be like, but, me but what happens? Potion. What happens though is that like they're still um, around, dude. <laughs> <laughs> we've transmuted yeah. gold, but we've only done it in a scientific setting, and it's in, it takes like an enormous amount of energy. Apparently, that's real, by the way. I'm not full of nut bullshit. Yeah. Here. Um. So he like, and there are like actual like people who follow Rosicrucianism, because what happens in is in the, the 17th century, um, the, the manifestos, like, they they cause, like, sort of this excitement um, that over the existence of this, like, brotherhood. Um, and people begin to believe that, um, that they're, like, a real thing. And because people during that time, you know, you have the wars of, of politics and religion that are sort of destroying the continent. Um, and so people keep like printing these works and passing them out um and sort of they inspire like scientists and philosophers um to to sort of like form their own legitimate secret societies so it lasted a while if it was it was still going on in the 17th century or in the 18th century rather 
No, it, it just sort of like after sort of the seventeenth uh, century, like after they're printed, like most people like say that there are um, that they're fake. Mm-hmm. Um, but it sort of inspires people to form their own secret societies. Mm, okay. Interesting. And one of these is sort of um, uh, orders contain people like um, Johannes Kepler, George uh, Joachim, uh, Phoenix, Redicus, John <laughs> D, and, and Tycho Brahe, um, that, they, that they sort of um, form this thing called the Invisible College. Ah, Tycho Brahe, um, the guy from Penny Arcade. Yeah. <laughs> And the, the Invisible College is sort of like a precursor to the uh, Royal Society, which is founded in 1660. Um, and it, it's sort of this like group of scientists who meet together and have like regular meetings, and they share knowledge and develop sort of um, experimental um, investigations. Okay, sounds good. Um, and then so um, it, it's it's commonly believed as well as well that Scottish um, that the Scottish Rite of Freemasonry. Um, has rituals that are based on Rosicrucianism, um, and that um, in the 18th century, um, Rosicrucian groups also infiltrated and converted over Masonic groups. Um, because there were actually people as well that sort of took, like, Rosicrucianism not just being, you know, like, ma- like science, they also did sort of like the weird sort of occult-type stuff. Gotcha. Like astrology and tarot cards and all that foolishness? Yeah, like were they trying kind to predict of, the future or were they trying to like make superpowers just in your left hand? Like what were they doing? <laughs> were they trying to Skyrim it up, magic in the left, uh, just, sword in the right, like how? Just, just, just <laughs> I'm just picturing this fucking Chunibio, like just, just <laughs> out there with his fucking sword in his right hand and the other guy's got a sword and a shield and he's like, I don't need a shield. I've got the power of Rose Cross in my left hand. <laughs> and he promptly gets fucking slaughtered. No, he loses that hand. And then he gives up the fight because he can't live without the power of the Rose Cross, which he was sure was in that hand. <laughs> um, That's how that works. Because when we get into like the 19th and, and early 20th century, um, Rosicrucianism sort of... Um, breaks up into like th- like three diverse groups um, that sort of follow the original tradition. The first are like esoteric um, Christian groups, um, which, which are like sort of like Christian magic type type stuff, like like rituals. Um, Masonic Rosicrucian groups, um, such as the Societis uh, Rosicruciana, um, which is sort of like um, just just sort of like a club group of people who meet up and have like rituals and traditions like freemasons and then also it, the third like wilder group is the like the golden dawn and the ancient mystical order um of rosicrucians now which golden dawn because there's a there's a golden dawn that's like a greek nationalist organization <laughs> and then there's a golden dawn restaurant in hamilton new jersey which is delicious by the way they've been around the they've been around since one. they've been around since the i was chinese a little kid golden dawn too. there's a yeah, chinese so. food golden dawn by the way the golden dawn in jersey they're owned by greeks so you know they what? could be members of that nationalist organization just chilling for 30 years give him a phone call give him a phone call find out <laughs> we're going to call him live on the podcast <laughs> Get- Get to the bottom of this, dude. It's Sunday at two thirty. Are, are you guys Nazis? Just, just if there was no, no if there was no coronavirus, 
they would be packed to the gills all day today. Like it's you can't even get in there. You said it's Greek food? No, it's just diner food. So it's like every diner food you can imagine. You know how diners have like 35? Yeah. They have like a manifesto for a menu. They have like the Rose Cross <laughs> manifesto. That was part of the thing that attracted the average 17th century male to the Rose Crosses. They had excellent, excellent quiche. <laughs> and tapioca pudding. <laughs> So, side note, apropos of nothing, my, my great-grandmother, when I was younger, she used to tell me uh, tapioca pudding was frog eggs. <laughs> and But listen, here's the thing. Actually, I was all about it. And then when I was actually told what tapioca is, I was like, this is fucking retarded. I don't want this anymore. I didn't know like, your grandmother f- was in the Golden Dawn. That's a Golden Dawn belief. <laughs> <laughs> my great-grandmother, so she very well could have been. Ah, uh, yeah. She's old as shit. Love you, ma'am. <laughs> Was she old enough? But yeah, I knew Rosen Cruz. Uh, I'm pretty sure she remembers like the labor movement from like the 30s. Let me tell you something. Rosen Cruz was a hot man. Jesus Christ! Oh my God. He could take no wife, but he was so so handsome. He always had the same clothes on, except for that Halloween day where he really went to town. Always talking about his hot wife. <laughs> The Golden Dawn, though, that I was referring to was the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. Uh, yeah, I know. Um, which is which is how Aleister Crowley was mm-hmm. an alum. Um, W.B. Yeats was a member. Um, and it, it's just sort of like a, a ritual magic sort of secret society. <laughs> like how you call them W.B. Yeats. <laughs> they, yay. You turned his name into a sentence. oh man hey you know i really like this wb he really yeets irish books right into my head (laughs) oh man so okay so those those groups um so so it sort of um sort of causes those groups to sort of come into existence um and develop um just sort of like an evolution of them so the rosicrucians were actually uh progenitors of those groups like they they came before and inspired them yeah and those those groups sort of consider themselves um rosicrucians ah like, okay. like, considers like them they 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 can sort of trace their lineage back to them okay um and while they may not say exactly you know we're we're like rosicrucian through and through that's what their like sort of origin is so they're all kind of sort of brother organization yeah because i know a big thing with the freemasons is that you know if they can't trace their roots back to the grand lodge then they're like not considered freemasonry so like that these groups hold that rosicrucian connection as like you know the stone that they were founded upon Mm-hmm. I think I think so because a lot of them sort of have these like quasi mythical origin stories, right? Where they go like they they go back to sort of like either like the Knights Templar or some other organization. Um, that, that's all just sort of like like nonsense that they make up. Yeah, they but, they couldn't have um, like a common origin story. Think about how ridiculous that shit would be. Well, one day I William just, woke up and he tripped over his pants. And that's when he got the idea. Ah, oh, your damn pants! <laughs> I, d- I decided it would be nice if you know we did some did some rituals before we did the orgies. <laughs> oh, my oh my god! Like maybe we clean up all the pants. <laughs> nah, clean nah, 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 fuck the pants. <laughs> and and speaking of the the Freemasons, um, we're gonna move on to them. Oh yeah, um, the Freemasons. 
So, so, so wait, so wait. The Rose, before we go on to them, is that it? Rose Christians yeah, are done? Well, are they still extant? There, there are some groups that claim to be Rosicrucian. Because um, I know but, that Golden Dawn still exists. Like, at least people say it does. Like, they well, there's, say they there's are. there's offshoots. Right. Um, a, a lot of secret societies sort of fell in, like, sort of fell apart or, or stopped existing after World War One. Mm-hmm. Um, that there was sort of like a golden age of fraternal organizations from sort of the end of the Civil War from, like, the 1870s into the 1920s. Mm-hmm. Because, um, like, for instance, like, um, in, in America, you know, even, like, the, the Ku Klux Klan right. is a fraternal organization. Ugh. Um, so, so it's like these, it, 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 like, it's not just the fact of, like, you, you form a group, it has to be sort of like this secret society thing. And that, that just sort of falls into disfavor um, after World War One, probably because, you know, the, the middle class was, like, wiped out in a lot mm-hmm. of places in Europe. Would you say, well, that's interesting. Would you say that the middle class was really the target of those societies? Well, I I would say people who join them, there are upper class people. um, But I I just think it's people becoming disillusioned with with sort of society. Okay. Um, And and sort of like the fact, too, that like in Great Britain, a lot of like well-to-do, like middle class Britons were were killed in the war. Right. Um, Like if you go to any like rugby club in the U.K., um, that's been around for a while. Like they'll usually have a memorial to all the people who died in like World War One from their rugby club, and rugby was like the the thing like the middle class did. I also feel like, as far as the secret societies go, unless they're specifically um, kind of like I guess targeting is the word, unless they're specifically targeting the upper class, most of the people that join are going to be middle class. Uh, i.e. Skull and Bones specifically targeting kids at affluent universities like Yale right. and Harvard and stuff like well, that. Well, I don't want to go down that well, line, but temple. is there a middle class in the 1600s? Well, no, I'm talking about World War One. Oh, oh, okay. Okay, right, 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 right. My bad, my bad. Um, but with um, with Skull and Bones, though, Skull and Bones is essentially a fraternity. Um, Skull and Bones predates... Um, the the existence of like Greek fraternal organizations at colleges, mm-hmm. um, so it's essentially like a proto fraternity, and we'll we'll talk about skull and bones. So it's not so much of, like secret society, right? Well, they are like fraternities are secret societies. Okay. Um, they they have like they have like rituals and stuff that they do. It, mm-hmm. It's not as big as like Freemasons in that regard, um, but they do have like fraternity secrets. Gotcha. Okay. Um, so nobody really knows where the Masons came from. Um, it, in the 19th century, um, Masonic historians um, sort of trace their origin back um, to what were called the Old Charges, um, which were from the the Regius poem, which was published in, in 1425. Um, and then what happens in the Regius poem is is that um, it was it was published in 1840. Um, and it was dated by a collector to around um, 1390. Hmm. Damn. Uh, and what this um, and and there's sort of some debate, like I said, because I said 1425 and, and 1390, but it's it's somewhere around that time. Right. Okay. Um, and the the poem is is like a, a response to a st- um, to legislation that was happening um, around the time of the the Black Death, 
and, and what was called the Statute of Laborers of, of 1351, in which um, King Edward III attempted to fix wages at, at pre-plague levels. Okay, so what is that going to do for the average person? Well, because there's less people, um, it, it's going to it's going to lower down. Um, it, it's going to it's he's trying to decrease people's like the cost of people working. Gotcha. Okay. Because there's 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 more of a demand and there's less people. Okay. Um, so it consists of 64 pages of, of Middle English um, written in rhyming couplets. Oh shit! And it um, and it begins by describing um, Euclid um, counterfeiting geometry and, and calling it masonry um, for the employment of the the children of the nobility in ancient Egypt. Um, okay. And then um, and then from there, uh, geometry spreads into diverse lands. Um, and then it, it relates that um, masonry was brought to England during the reign of, of King Ethelstan, which is from 924 to 939. Right, um, which and presupposes it, it sort of, kind of like a much earlier uh, origin story. Yeah, and it's it's sort of like, it's it's not like, because at this point we're just talking about mason masons. We're not talking about Freemasons. Right, those are, Freemasons are different, yeah. Yeah, and so um, it it tells how the masons of the land came to the king um, for direction and that um, that Ethelstan um, Christopher Eccleston yeah King Christopher Eccleston (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm only doing one season of Doctor Who the masons said that was enough (laughs) and he he forged for them 15 articles and 15 points for their their um, for the rule of their their trade. So he's Michael Scott. <laughs> yeah. It's a fifteen article plan. Fifteen points. Fifteen months to get this Freemasonry thing <laughs> on point. And and it's it's followed by fifteen articles um, for the master of the the Masons um, for their sort of describing what their moral behavior should be. It's things like do not harbor thieves, do not take bribes, <laughs> no, attend church regularly. No night fucking, um, no morning drinking. Yeah. <laughs> and um, fucking and it needs also, to be done in the missionary position. Lights <laughs> out, Friday night, 8 p.m., no other time. If it's 9 p.m., you have to be on the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> and thus pegging was developed. Oh, man. <laughs> and there is... Um, <laughs> <laughs> it it also describes how to like how to handle a building site like for instance what do you um, mean don't make your like don't make masons labor at night um, teach apprentices properly fucking unions um, don't God don't fuck. take jobs that you can't do not union <laughs> that's not a union yeah so I'll just I'll just go out. I've mentioned it in another episode my brother is a, a mason and uh, that's all he really talks about with it like simple shit like that. Like, that there's nothing crazy. There's just a lot of ritual wrapped around simple stuff like, uh, you know, be a good person, don't do this, you know, give back to your community, stuff like that. So then let me ask this then. What is the purpose of the Freemasons? Like, what is their overall well, goal? Just to well, be a well, society Steve's of getting there. We'll, we'll get to that. Yeah, Steve's okay. getting there. This, um, so it, there, there also follows 15 points for craftsmen. They're very similar. Um, it's essentially like ordinances and, and punishments if they're not followed um and then there's a, a legend of the 
they they sort of present the legend of the four crowned martyrs um which is a series of like moral aphorisms and then finally like a blessing okay um and then around the 15th century we see the first evidence of sort of like masonic ceremonial regalia um in, in 1450 uh, there was a will of a mason um from beverly england um and his name was john cataby I really thought and, you were going to say from Beverly Hills. <laughs> Beverly Hills. He lived in the hills in Beverly, England. Just not the 90210 Beverly Well, that was the population, 90,210. <laughs> and it it says that he possessed several um, uh, uh, zonas, which are a type of girdle. Um, and, and two had silver mounted on them, which had the letters B and I in the middle. Um, what? Which, which references uh, Boaz and um Jaquin, the twin pillars of solomon's temple mm-hmm. um, and he also owned a, a writing table and six english books um, which meant that he was actually you know literate and like pretty pretty well off okay so this is a dude who's clearly a little bit higher up than the common person at this time yeah and yeah. There, there's there's no clear sort of like line of lineage and how these local trade organizations became, you know, the Freemasons. Um, and so the earliest, like, rituals and passwords that we know about um, sort of turn up in the 17th and 18th centuries. Um, like Open Sesame? <laughs> yeah. That's the only one I know. It's the only one I know. <laughs> and I got it from Aladdin at that, so I mean... <laughs> Um, and then we, we have the minutes of a lodge in, in Edinburgh um, that that shows that um, that shows what we think is the earliest um, like extant lodge, um, which is dated back to 1598. That's you mean that's like still around right now. That's extant. Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. So it's it's reputed to be the oldest. Hmm. Um, and then a, a historian named Thomas De Quincey. Um, he, he sort of has this theory that Rosicrucianism and Freemasonry, um, that, that, uh, that Freemasonry is an outgrowth of, of Rosicrucianism. And it was also... How, like, how valid is that? Um, they, they probably share some elements with each other, um, but I, I think it just sort of came out of this, like, um, secret society thing. Gotcha, okay. Um, and... And it was sort of it was sort of backed up by a German professor in 1803, um, who was also researching into it. Gotcha. Um, and on June 24, 1717, um, the the first Grand Lodge, the Grand Lodge of, of London and Westminster, which later became the Grand Lodge of England, um, was founded um, on St John's Day when when four existing um, lodges met for a joint dinner. Um, and sort of as they found. Uh, uh, when they found this Grand Lodge, um, the, the lodges um, sort of began to join them as sort of like this regulatory body. Mm-hmm. And, and so they began expanding. Um, but there were lodges that didn't really endorse the changes that um, that sort of this Grand Lodge of England was doing. Um, and some of these formed a rival Grand Lodge in, on July 17, 1751. Um, and they call it the Antient um, Grand Lodge of, of England. Um, those those two lodges would vie for supremacy um, un, until 
um, the the moderns promised to return to the ancient ritual, um, which happened in on July twenty seventh, eighteen thirteen. Um, they united to they formed the United Grand Lodge of England. Gotcha. Okay. okay. Um, and then the Grand Lodge of Ireland and Scotland were formed in the Grand Lodge of Ireland was seventeen twenty five, and the Grand Lodge of Scotland was seventeen thirty six. So um, basically, and, they've been around a while. Yeah, and they they also sort of um, persuaded the other lodges. Um, in their in their respective areas to like join up with them, guys. Do they do a kind of guys? Like a... It's gonna be good. It's gonna be good. Just join join up. Come on. We got free. I was gonna say pancake breakfast. <laughs> they they just go in there. They just start smashing pancakes. You would not believe how much money we get from selling pancakes to these Germans. <laughs> they, they stole their they stole their griddle. They didn't agree to it. They would steal their griddle. <laughs> it's like Princeton <laughs> University stealing the bell or whatever. That's the, yeah, that's why. That's actually why the lodges split. Someone stole the pancake griddle. <laughs> Jesus Christ! I mean, and historically, there's there's very few griddles. <laughs> I was gonna say historically, a lot worse shit has been done for like really stupid inanimate objects, like the Bucket War in Italy. I think it was. Like, they fought a war over a fucking... Every episode, you're trying to bring up this bucket war. <laughs> Wait, really? I'm just joking. I just think it's neat. I'm just joking. He's, he's like oh, Marge. I was like, dude, am I that drunk? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I actually edited it out. I was going to release a clip in a few months. That's two hours of you talking about the bucket war. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're what we call Professor Ryan right now. You haven't reached uh, full on full on bucket war, Ryan. Right? Uh, and, oh my god! And while all this is going on in in the UK, um, Freemasonry is also spreading to the American colonies. Um, and, and the earliest American lodges were in Pennsylvania. Um, the, the collector for the Port of Pennsylvania, um, John Moore, wrote of attending lodges there in, in 1750. Um, so that, that was about two years before the, the formation of the Grand Lodge in London. Right. Okay. Um, and that the, the premier Grand Lodge of England appointed a, a provincial um, grandmaster for North America in 1731 who was based in Pennsylvania and led to the creation of the Grand Lodge of Pennsylvania. Okay, interesting, interesting. And, and in what, what is today Canada, um, a man named Erasmus James Phillips, um, he, he sort of started Freemasonry there. Um, he had been working on a commission to resolve boundaries um, in New England, and in 1739 he became the, the provincial Grand Master for Nova Scotia. All right. Um, and then he founded the first Masonic Lodge in Canada at Annapolis Royal, Nova Scotia. Okay. Um, so uh, other lodges in, in Pennsylvania, um, they, they obtained their authority from the, the, the Antient Grand Lodge of England, um, the Grand Lodge of Scotland, and the Grand Lodge of Ireland as well, um, which was particularly uh, well represented. Um, in, and they had these sort of like traveling lodges that went with the British Army. What? Um, so a lot of like soldiers would be in um, where where masons, uh-huh. and so because they can't go to like a lodge meeting back home because you know they're they're sort of set up, um, sort of set up in in the American colonies. They would have these sort of like lodges that just traveled with the military. 
So instead of like uh, one of your basic Abrahamic religions that says, hey, look, you can't come to church, no worries, just pray at home. Instead, these guys are like, no, fuck that. If you can't go to the lodge, the lodge comes to you, asshole. Is that what I'm getting from this? Well, it's just sort of like a like a club or whatever. So they would still keep their keep their status as like masons. Do they have to pay dues? Uh, yes. Yep. Now, okay. Now it makes more sense why the, why the lodge is coming. <laughs> They're not trying to miss out on them dues. Yeah, the dues are a big problem. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of lodges also came into existence with no warrant from any grand lodge. Um. So, and so like some uh, fake uh, lodges. I mean, are they? So, uh, what? I mean, if you don't get, if you're not getting like the blessing from the main lodge, then yeah, you're just a fake poser. I mean, poser, fuck them. <laughs> well, it's it, it's 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 just sort of like a, a national organization as opposed to one that's just like very local and right. Like, I um, want to start the Ryan Lodge, and it's just go for and it. And that's it. Go for it. it. I've done it. But but what fuck. a lot of lodges would do. <laughs> Was they would start up, and then if they felt like they could survive, um, they would they would sort of apply for a membership Petition. under the Grand Lodge. Yeah. So it's like the they Michael would... Scott Paper Company. Yeah. <laughs> so they kind of did it opposite. They basically going to wait to see if they could survive and then apply to be instead of applying and then seeing if they could survive. Ryan, I think the yeah. Ryan Lodge is going to be bankrupt in a week. So we need to... Yeah, listen, we should accept oh, any offer... Put that bad juju on me. Any <laughs> offer from the Grand Lodge. Just anything. Don't put that bad juju on me. <laughs> um, and, and after after the um, the Revolutionary War, um, Grand Lodges begin to develop in, in each of the states. Yeah. And then there eventually became um, there. There was plans of organizing a Grand Lodge of the United States um, with but George Washington. Like, no, states' rights. We with, each one. <laughs> no. And, and they um, and there was talk of having George Washington, who was uh, who was a member of the the Virginian Lodge, um, to become Grand Master, um, but it never really like gained any traction. Um, and, and a lot of this had to do with the Grand Lodges in each state didn't want to diminish their own own authority by joining up with like a national um, sort of lodge um, setup. Which makes th- sense, as dumb as it sounds. I think and that's then, how a lot at- of them become, though, right? Like they want to operate as these autonomous, like member well, membership exclusive y- organizations. Well, you can either be the head, like the most powerful person in the Virginia, like grand lodge of virginia or you can be like uh like a regional representative in a national organization mm-hmm. huh, so okay. so they didn't so so the people at the top of these grand lodges didn't want to like dilute their own power by by you know joining up with a large organization that they wouldn't be in charge of absolutely gotcha okay um and then basically and around this time um prince hall freemasonry um, comes into existence, mm-hmm. um, and and this happens because um, early American lodges won't allow African Americans to join. Assholes. Um, well, so it, again, I, they are assholes, but think about the time period. I know it doesn't yeah. it doesn't change my opinion that they're fucking. In our, yeah, in <laughs> our, absolutely. In our in our estimation, using what we know and what we think, they're fucking assholes. But it probably wasn't even an option. To have those people in your organization, no, it would and, probably make well, your organization no, like disreputable well, back then. That, well, actually, because in 1775, this this man named Prince Hall 
um, he along with 14 other African American men right. um, they they get initiated into a British military lodge um, and with a warrant from the Grand Lodge of Ireland um, because they couldn't get admission from the other lodges in Boston right I'm thinking um, more it's so, more Americans that won't allow the men yeah, yeah. The, the British were fine with it and so when, when the British uh, military lodge left North America um, at the end of the revolution um, those 15 men um, were given the authority um, to, to meet as a lodge but not to initiate um, masons right um, and in 1784 um, they, they obtained a warrant from the premier grand lodge of England um, and they formed the African Lodge number 459. Oh, I should have said I have Lodge 420. They missed it. <laughs> I'm just saying, bro. Relax. They didn't know what 420 um, was in 17-whatever. <laughs> How do you know that? I heard Ben Franklin That's was a good constantly point. stoned off his gore. Yeah, but he didn't know what 420 was. It was probably a different number altogether. <laughs> so It's the number 318. <laughs> so... But, but what ends up happening is that when the, the United Grand Lodge of, of England is formed, um, they they strike all the American, the, the U.S.-based lodges um, from their roles due to the War of 1812 going on. Motherfucker. The British have good reason to like not let American, quote-unquote, lodges do anything. I feel like, man, fuck you guys. <laughs> so, because the, the Prince Hall Lodge is now on its own, um, and it, it couldn't join like, an American Grand Lodge... Um, it, it became a de facto Grand Lodge, and it started referring to itself as African Lodge Number One. So they nice. Just We're leaders. We're in and charge. then, and then it it sort of eventually spreads to other states. Yep. Um, and they each organize their own Grand Lodge system in each state. Nice. Um, and and so throughout, like uh, up until like the late twentieth century, um, or I should say the mid twentieth century. Um, due to like segregation, um, the only lodges that African Americans can join are, are Prince Hall lodges, which is bullshit. Okay. Yeah, um, definitely. But bullshit. by the but by the 1980s, um, most most segregation in in lodges is like done away with. Above the Mason Dixon um, line. <laughs> well, it, in in the South, it's <laughs> mostly gone too. I think the problem um, in the South is you got a lot of like. Uh, or f- this is just what I've heard, by the way. It's an- total anecdotal. You have racists. But you got some people down here R. who hard are who uh, <laughs> won't change their traditions. And uh, one of those things is there's like a schismatic form of Freemasonry in the South too, with Albert Pike and, and all that other stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like my my brother's uh, Masonic order has there's black people in it, there's Hispanic people in it. It's yeah, it's pretty open. Um. And, and so and today, um, all like most U.S. Grand Lodges recognize their like their Prince Hall counterparts, mm-hmm. um, and the United Lodge of, of England um, will also recognize uh, Prince Hall Grand Lodges, um, and and much like regular Freemason lodges, anyone can join a uh, Prince Hall lodge. Yep, any man, any men, no 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 women, no, no, no girls babies. allowed. That's how they trace no, back their Rosencruz. No they're Rosicrucian because they go. got that no girls allowed thing. Which one of you guys left the no girls allowed sign out? Oh, I'm sorry. I just came to get to my keys. I'm sorry. I'm leaving. They're gonna, <laughs> Leon they're Trotsky. They're... You're banned. You're banned from the store. We can't let him in here. They're going to mess up the pancakes. It's that episode of Seinfeld where Kramer can't get his fruit. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's it. 
that's not that fruit's not for you. You're banned. <laughs> um, so there, a number of, of presidents have been Freemasons. Um, George Washington was a Freemason. Um, James Monroe was a Freemason. Andrew Jackson, James K. Polk, James Buchanan, Andrew Johnson, James A. Garfield, William McKinley, uh, Theodore Roosevelt, um, William H. Taft, Warren G. Harding. Franklin D. Roosevelt, Harry S. Truman, and Gerald Ford. That was a nice. Wasn't Kennedy a Freemason nice too? Thick receipt there. Kennedy, Kennedy couldn't become a Freemason at that time because they didn't allow Catholics. Ah, or I should say, fucking because okay. because there the Catholic Church has restrictions on joining the Freemasons. Yeah, it's kind of. Um, the, it used to be good. It used to be that you'd be excommunicated for being in a Freemason, um, really? but but now they now you just can't take communion. Gotcha. Right. Gotcha. Uh, um, like one of the last people that the Inquisition killed was a Freemason in Spain. Okay. I mean, it, but I mean, I guess it could make sense if you were Catholic to be like, go to the Catholic Church and say, "Look, I'm tired of your secret society. I'm going to go be a Freemason." Exactly. <laughs> well, the the Catholic Church usually, if you're a Catholic, you would be a, a Knight of Columbus. Yep. That's kind of like the Columbus. Oh yeah, my dad. My dad was my dad was a knight of Columbus. Listen, he had the sword in the attic. I swear to God, when my mom used to get mad at us for going in the attic because there was a sword up there, and I was up there looking for a sword. I'll be honest, she was right. <laughs> so my uncle has his hat. It's brown. It's an old like trucker's hat style. And on the front, there's pictures of Tootsie Rolls, which are Knights of Columbus things. I guess they do like fundraisers yeah. for Tootsie Rolls. But it says the 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 actual um, print on the hat, and I'll, I'll send you a picture so you can see this. It says Knights of Columbus of Massachusetts helping the retarded with two Tootsie Rolls on the front of it. And I was like, holy fuck! Yeah, uh, a, those are different times. Problematic. B. I need that fucking. Oh hat. my god. <laughs> And they spelled retarded wrong too, which was oh my god! I was like, "Holy fuck!" I was like, "Uncle Bobby, I need that hat." Like, I don't think you understand how bad I need that hat right now. It's terrible. <laughs> just, just looking at that hat, clasping your hands together, rubbing them. But you don't even understand, like. Um. So, so I've given you like an overview of of sort of like Freemasonry and and sort of like the UK, and then how it spread to the Americas and. And how it sort of has the fabric. Um, we're we're going to talk about a little of the, uh, the the crazier things with Freemason um, Freemasonry. One of the first ones is what's referred to as the Morgan Affair. Ooh. And the Morgan Affair happened in 1826. And this man named William Morgan, um, he lived in upstate New York in, in what is um, Batavia, New York. Um, and and he was a former like Freemason. And he was threatening to expose the the Freemason secrets um, by by sort of publishing this book, um, and, it, and it largely seems that he wanted to sort of like blackmail them into like like paying him not to make the book. Mm-hmm. Um, but what what ends up happening is is that he he disappears while on um, while on the Niagara River, and and sort of this theory comes out that he had been murdered by Freemasons in order to silence him. Um, and so what, what sort of believed to be happened was that he was one, either killed by people he owed debts to, mm-hmm. um, or, or Masons uh, attempting to silence him. He, he had just actually gotten out of jail, um, for, for owing debts and he, he had gotten out of jail. He was owed a debt 
and then or he he owed debts and then he got out of jail and then he was like almost immediately put back into jail for a two dollar like tavern tab that he owed what <laughs> and 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 so this a friend of his sort of like bails him out um and 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 not long after that um he he's sort of picked up by some men and he disappears um there there's also a claim that he was paid five hundred dollars um by the masons to to leave the country i mean five hundred dollars in their time money is what yeah a couple grand nowadays yeah ah. so and and like I said, they're right on the border with Canada, and he disappeared on the river that separates, you know, Canada and the United States. Gotcha. Um, okay. And a body was recovered soon after, um, but this Canadian widow um, believed it was her husband because she positively identified the clothing. Mm-hmm. Um, and the body was like too, it, it had been too damaged by several days in the water that they couldn't like say it was him. Yeah, old decomposition had taken place. Yeah. Um, Wait, so what the, year the was people, that? 1826. Oh, okay. So there's no CSI. And, yeah. <laughs> there's they're, still they're barely get, CSI today. They're going to get they're going to get Nobleberry on the case. Nobleberry, dude, my I, you're not wrong, Ryan. Like my buddy um, my buddy's a cop in Baltimore and I asked him uh, about CSI. This was like 10 years ago. Wow, oh, shit, actually I'm getting old. It was like 15, 17 years ago. And uh and he, t- he basically told me, like, your average city, there's CSI, there's, like, one doctor, like, one person who's incredibly good at, you know, chemistry and forensics and all that other stuff, right? And the rest of, mm-hmm. the, rest of the people are making, like, minimum wage. Well, not only that, you also come to find out that a lot of the times the labs and the police departments, I mean, obviously they work close together, but then you come to find out, like... Some of the people are willing to get on the stand in court and be less than truthful, oh, or sure. the evidence that they have yeah. are like is very, very flimsy right. at best. Right. It's very flimsy. Yeah. So it's like, so what are you guys basing all this on? Just and then you come to find out, and then and then you get the whole. Well, let me tell you something. You know the systemic government thing, where it's like, oh, they just want numbers. We're basing so it on the fact like, that we found Morgan in a river, and uh, he was known to go to that river. <laughs> so that's Morgan. <laughs> he just just loved to swim in that river all the little. He's always talking day. about the river. He said if he was a Native American, he would have tried to marry the river in some kind of sh- shamanistic way. We're not sure. He said that no girls were allowed in the river. Um. So M- Morgan's disappearance causes. Um. Uh, eventually, the the people who picked him up, like they they get a very minimal punishment from the law. And, and this all causes a, a series of protests against Freemasons throughout the United States, um, especially in New York. Um, because it, in 1827, there were 227 uh, lodges in the Grand Lodge of New York. Mm-hmm. Um, and by 1835, there were 41. Oh, shit. calling. Um, now, did they leave? Did these people leave or did they get disbanded? Like, how did it get they, shrunk? I, I believe that they just disbanded their lodges, that Masons just decided to stop being Freemasons because of the association with this, like, murder. <laughs> um, because it was it, it was sort of this idea that they're this shadowy organization that murdered a man because he was going to tell them, um, he was going to reveal their secrets. Right. And, and so this man named Thurlow Weed, um, 
who who is who's anti who who's an anti Masonic sort of activist, and he was also um, anti Andrew Jackson. I mean, who Andrew is Jackson it? was a, remember Andrew Jackson was a Mason. Um, he forms this anti Masonic party. Like um, like and like for like running for president. Yeah, the name it, like <laughs> the name of the political party is the anti Masonic party. And it made the ballot for the eighteen for the presidency in eighteen twenty eight. Why do we have to have um, like simple names? Why can't we have like those Japanese names for political <laughs> parties? You know, like the NHK, the the Party for the People's uh, Moral Instruction of NHK to be abolished. <laughs> and there's like one yeah. vote for it, and it's just the guy who invented it on the internet on GeoCities in nineteen ninety seven. I'm gonna win. <laughs> <laughs> you're going down at HK. <laughs> <laughs> News every 15 minutes? What kind of bullshit is this? <laughs> oh, man. Going down. <laughs> um, and so it, it does have sup- support from notable politicians like William H. Seward. Um, and it also influences um, John Quincy Adams, who, who gets really big into denouncing the Masons. Who's also known as Great Value John Adams. <laughs> <laughs> and in, uh, he's, the sequel is not as good as the, the original. No worries. Um, and, in, and in 1832, um, they, they field a man named William Wirt as their presidential candidate. Um, but but it's it's sort of weird because Wirt was himself a, a Freemason, and he he gave a speech at the at the anti Masonic convention defending the the organization, defending the Masons. Yeah, like you guys, I know, thanks for letting me be a member, but I'm <laughs> a member of the thing we hate the most. That's like a black person <laughs> like going to a KKK uh, convention and just going, guys, guys. Look, maybe cut the racism back a little bit <laughs> after after they declare him like the the leader. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh my Good god. Um, and, Wait, and so who was that guy that was all... on Joe Rogan? That Daryl Davis. Yeah, oh, that guy is cool. He is shit, so though. cool, like, man. That guy is. Oh, I'm not even being facetious. The, like, how do you have a black guy who owns the robes of a grand dragon? That's insane to me. Yeah. Like, they must want to kill him for that. Oh, yeah, he's had death threats. But it, just the fact that he's, like, converted people away from the organization is fantastic, too. Yeah, yeah. Daryl Davis. He also has the creepiest fucking piano playing video I've ever seen on YouTube. Really? Yeah, he he's an amazing piano player, and he, he plays, uh, like, a boogie-woogie. And so there's like a Daryl Davis boogie woogie video, and he's just fucking staring at you the entire time he's playing. <laughs> See, I thought he played guitar, or does he also play guitar? Uh, he can do both. He can probably, yeah, I'm sure he can probably do both. He played with Chuck Berry and shit. So I, I mean, mean, I don't know what the fuck I'm asking. This dude can pull people out of the KKK just by talking to him. I'm sure that this guy can play 37 different instruments. I, with no I problem. love his affect. That like slightly out of breath. Just mustachioed, you know, smart musician man affect. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, speaking of Freemasons, um, so they they only receive uh, seven electoral votes in the eighteen thirty two election, and so in eighteen thirty five, um, the the party is disbanded in every state but Pennsylvania, um, because no. because sort of the the debate over the national debate over slavery becomes a, a bigger. Um, sort of political point in all 
fairness, yes. Um, so, so because the national debate moves away from sort of like Freemasons, you know, secretly controlling the government or whatever, um, it, it goes more to the more immediate pressing issue of of sort of the the battle between you know slavery's control over the United States government, and 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 also too, um, John Quincy Adams in 1847, um, he wrote um, he wrote a book um, called Letters on the Masonic Institution. Um, which was sort of like a takedown book for the of the Masons. Mm, okay. Um, and, and so a, a number uh, like there there is opposition to to being a member of the Freemasons. Um, a, a number of sort of like Protestant and Eastern Orthodox denominations um, discourage um, their congregants from joining Masonic lodges. Um, because if you're paying dues to the Masons, that's the last money you can give to the church, of course. Um, and. And a lot of this has to do with sort of like the ritual nature. Um, they, yeah. they don't feel that it's compatible with Christianity. Um, and then some like like more the the Protestants um, and, and also some well, Catholics. The idea um, is that it, you're selling – if you sell a ritual – I hate to get like into it like a, almost Joseph Campbell analysis because that's what, how he defines ritual. But if you sell a ritual, like you're selling a process by which a person who maybe is not good – is transmuted into being good. So it's not compatible with any other ritual. Like, it's just not. It doesn't matter what your religion is. It just doesn't really work. Because they're both yeah. technically trying to reach the same goal. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and a number of, like, sort of, like, evangelical Protestants also claim that they, that they do outright devil worship. Um, and, and some Catholics, too. Um, for instance... Uh, usually they quote the writings of this of this guy, these two men named Leo Taxel and, and Abel uh, Clarin de la Rive. Um, That's a sweet name. Taxel was Taxel lie, yeah. was like a 19th century sort of like fraud um, who who claimed who claimed to be like a former Freemason who converted to Catholicism, uh-huh. and, and he sort of does this to just sort of um, to sort of like make fun of Catholics. So you shit posting like. Yeah, so he's he's claiming, you know, like, oh yeah, I was in the, and, and he claims that Freemasons were actually what were called um, uh, paladists, and, and a paladist is like a, it, 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 it's sort of like a satanic like group that he created, and it's based on the term um, palace, which refers to wisdom and learning. P a l l a s. Yeah, okay. I think it's a Greek god, and 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 he claims. Um, that there were that there were two high priestesses within the Freemasons um, named Diana Vaughn and Sophia Walder, who were who were competing for the leadership of of this sort of satanic cult. Um, later, he he would claim that um, Diana Vaughn had converted to Catholicism like him, and that she had started um, publishing anti-Masonic books and tracts, um, but this was actually just being made by Taxel. Mm, um many many catholics would believe in the the taxel host or hoax um and this is in france by the way um although um some didn't really um didn't believe um what what he was writing about and they asked taxel to introduce them to this diana vaughn person in public um and he he promised to do this at a, a lecture in paris that was scheduled for april 19th 1897 um, but instead, he just shows up and tells them all that it was like a hoax to, to sort of like 
show how gullible Catholics are. <laughs> How'd that go over? To, to just show them, you know, that they're gullible and, and how, like, irrationally hostile they are to Freemasons. Right. <laughs> um, how'd that go over? Well, a- after that, he just sort of, like, falls away. Like, he doesn't really get into any trouble. Um, but one of his, the, one of the, like, weirdos that he becomes, like, partners with in this is is uh, Abel Claren de la Rive, um, because he's, he's an anti-Mason, an anti-Semite, who just sort of, like, glommed on to Taxel and, and believed all of his writings. Mm-hmm. You just say glom. Um, and in, yeah. Thank you. He glommed on to. <laughs> Favorite word. And, and in 1894, um, this is back before, you know, he reveals that it's a that it's all just like a, a joke he's playing. Um, Taxel authorizes um, him to write this book called La Femme et l'Enfant dans la Franck Maconnery Universal, Women and Children in Universal Freemasonry, um, which is which is a, a which is sort of like a portrait of Sophia Walder, um, it, it, another like that other fictional woman that's oh they're both fictional this yeah oh my God. Um, and so it, she appears as um, she appeared masculine because Taxel had claimed um, she was a lesbian. Um, sort of based wow. on like the, okay. the stereotypes of the day. Um, did she just have short hair and just didn't take no shit from Timberlands. anybody? I guess. Construction helmet. <laughs> Red flannel. She wore jeans and boots. She looked like the brawny, <laughs> but no mustache. Women kissing women. It's, it's crazy. <laughs> it's just it's just him talking like like Dave Chappelle. Yeah. Black That's crazy. It's gross. It's gross. <laughs> Bowing on each other's titty balls. Mm-hmm. It's gross. <laughs> <laughs> so... And a lot of this has to do with the fact that, like, Taxel is, like, a weirdo who's read, like, all these, um, or, all of this is based on, like, sort of how, um, Taxel's revelations, and then, like, I guess, um, Claren had read a lot of, um, he, he had studied a lot of, like, sex magic stuff. Nice. And, and, and he sort of, like, adds in his own, like, commentary on the the sexual rituals practiced by the the Pilatus. But the thing is about these things, like when he comes out and says it's a joke and these women don't exist, there's always, it's like anti-vaxxers, there's always a group when they find out that it's not real, still thinks it's real. Yeah. So massive Um, damage can be done just from the joke. Yeah. So, uh, like, Taxel himself didn't really want to, to sort of connect... Um, Pilatism and, and Freemasonry with the Jews, but but Clarend, um, Abel Clarend de la Rive really wanted to. <laughs> Dude, we um, need to make this about the Jews. That's how you sell. <laughs> Said every disgusting person. What ever. year was this? It, this is the 1890s. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, um, and, and France at that time was like the leader in like anti-Semitism. Um, mm-hmm. And so... Claren de la Rive writes a book in 1895 because Taxel himself he had campaigned against an anti-Semitic um, leader in in French uh, in the municipal elections oh. in, in Paris okay. in 1890. So he himself was not an anti-Semite, but but Claren de la Rive writes this book called uh, Le, Le Juif et la Franc Masonry, and it's Jews and Freemasonry um, that that sort of 
posited that that Pilatism and Freemasonry were secretly controlled by the Jews, and that Pilatism was based on the Jewish cabal. See, this is this is why conspiracy shit is so fucking ridiculous. <laughs> Poor um, fucking Jewish people, they've been getting shit on for millennia now. And like, and later on too, like that that's sort of a common thing cuz the the protocols of the elders of Zion also says that like Freemasonry is a uh, is like controlled by the Jews. Yeah, Henry Henry Ford's uh, autobiography. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, also I built the, the Ford Mustang so that if any Jews was chasing you, you could get away from them. <laughs> Henry Ford signed Henry Ford. <laughs> Henry Ford, uh, no Nazi anti-Semite. <laughs> the, it, it, like I had mentioned before, the, the Roman Catholic Church has had provisions on people joining Freemasons um, since 1738. Um, joining the joining a Masonic organization um, was was prohibited for political and religious reasons. Um, and until 1983, um, the the penalty for Catholics who joined um, who joined a, a Freemason lodge was excommunication. Um, but now um, they just bar the the person from having holy communion. Yeah, which is actually kind of like a useless gesture anyway, because yeah. you can't bar someone from taking communion because it's not like they have some guy in the church who's just like waiting in the wings and watching everyone with a telescope. Like I recognize that guy. Hey, that yeah, one just, son of a bitch! That guy's a Freemason. Get him out. Just just don't come to mass that you're like. Masonic regalia. Yeah, yeah. Your, yeah don't uh, wear your, your Shriner hat. Don't wear your apron <laughs> and all your regalia. Yeah. Oh my God! Can you imagine like a group of Shriners showing up in their little cars and hats? Yep. Honk honk. <laughs> Get away from the doors, children. The devils are here again. I know. Give me a wafer. The devils that created an entire children's hospital in Tampa for you, but the devil. <laughs> they take a. Uh, they take one of the communion wafers, put some easy cheese on it. Honk honk. <laughs> Drive away in the car. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Catholics. Um, there, I was there, a Catholic once, a number, and they were much better with easy cheese. Oh God! There, there are a number of conspiracies um, involving Freemasons. Um, one is that they control the the British judiciary, um, and that um, that they do this to subvert the legal system. Is that, is sure, that something like coming from Bojo? <laughs> <laughs> Bojo well, like you know, the Freemasons invented COVID-19 and they got Bojo with it and they almost got <laughs> Bojo with it, but so, Bojo was fighting what, against that Freemason disease. What, one of these is interesting because we'll, we'll get to it and it, it actually is true, but not in the way that they, they say it is. Sure. Is that Freemasonry overlaps with um, the Illuminati. So heard uh, almost As, every conspiracy theory has an element of truth to it. Um, like about some form or some analogy or some metaphor, or some element of that conspiracy theory. If it didn't, you couldn't even buy into it. Because the Illuminati, the, the Bavarian Illuminati, um, originally started out by sort of co-opting um, a, a Freemason. And that's the original Illuminati that we... Yeah, the, yeah. the Bavarian, the, the real Illuminati. Right, right, right. And, and that, they're, that they're, you know, working to, to make the New World Order. Sure. Um, they did, though. And, they and, were and also, successful in the uh, mid to late 90s and early 2000s. With the creation of the United Nations. No, the World no, Order dude. And the Euro but the problem the is, is eventually Vincent K. McMahon <laughs> purchased the WCW <laughs> and broke apart well, well, the we all World know, Order. We all know Eric Bischoff was the, 
was, was he was know, the, the real... he was the original. Eric Bischoff he, was the original progenitor of the new world. Oh well, yeah, he was the he he was the original. You know, he was the brains behind. The he was you their know, plant in the judiciary yeah. of the WCW. <laughs> Oh my god! Say if you look if you look at those Gawker trial pictures of Hulk Hogan, yeah, you know those those like artfully like watercolor pictures of him and his like black bandana and sunglasses, yeah. and a bit of black <laughs> suit on the on the stand. If you look <laughs> off to the corner, you can see Eric Bischoff with his long hair and his his leather jacket in the jury box. <laughs> he always sounded so dumb every time he spoke. He just sounded incredibly uneducated, and I don't mean like. He was playing it up or trying to act like that. Like, there's a certain point where you can't act uneducated. It's just you are uneducated and it's coming. Would you say as such, that that has anything sense. to do with the fact that he injected hand sanitizer? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Um, and, and of course, a lot of these like Illuminati, Freemason stuff. They also include, you know, the Knight Templars. Yeah. Um, sometimes the Jews. Um, all, all just part of um, this this sort of like control like control of society, and, and these conspiracy theories have been um, the earliest one was presented in, were presented in 1792 by authors in France and Scotland. The Jews. God, can you imagine how just exhausting your life must be just to make everything about Jewish people? Um, we'll take any subject, remove Jew from the uh, syllogism, and just put in another noun. That's what all all people um, like that do. So, and, and like I mentioned before, um, the the elder the protocols of the elders of Zion states, you know, that um, that the Freemasonry is like a Jewish front. Um, Hitler believed that Freemasonry was was like a tool of, of Jewish influence, and the Freemasons were outlawed in, in Germany for that reason during the Nazi period. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were they were um, placed at. And the, what was it that? Uh, what was the name of the secret society that that the Thule Society? Yeah, the Thule Society. Yeah, they had their own little thing. Say rituals don't work with other yeah. rituals. But they, but but the Thule Society is pretty much like gone oh, yeah. by the by like the thirties. Yeah, it's been it was eradicated. Um, um so the uh, the group Hamas, um, it claims that Freemasonry is is like a Zionist like organization. What? Uh, any and, any merit to that claim? No. Okay. Um, and then um, a, a French writer named um, Hilaire Belloc, um, he he said that um, he he sort of said that Freemason uh, Freemasonry is sort of um, a bridge between themselves and their hosts, sort of hinting at them being you know controlled by the Jews. Um, a, a a sort of um, a, a, one of those um, tax like the one of those tax people who who says like they don't have to pay taxes. Mm, um, I gotcha. mean, uh, yeah. sovereign citizens. Sovereign citizens. Kind of, yeah. Those those types. You actually um, can't they, arrest me, Steve, for being outside during the stay-at-home order because I'm not even from here. I'm not here. driving. I am traveling. I'm not even okay. from here. Okay. <laughs> this is my freedom of movement, and your <laughs> Did you United see that? States flag does not have that gold fringe on it, so you are under admiralty jurisdiction. Therefore, that asshole with the uh, like the piece of paper over his back license plate. They got stopped oh, in Florida. God, what dude. a fucking dick. Um, the sovereign citizens are just fucking morons. Oh they're just this, they're beyond help. This one tax protester in, in New Hampshire, um, he, he said that um, the, that um, that income tax 
Um, we're, we're part of the Zionist Illuminati Freemason movement. Oh my God. Um, and his, his wife was quoted as saying um, in, in the local paper um, that, th- that they believe that federal income tax are part of a deliberate plot perpetuated by Freemasons to control the American people and eventually the world. So basically in their heads, everything bad is Zionist Illuminati, whereas nowadays everything bad is liberal, whatever the yes. fuck, right? Like it's just yeah. – we basically just kind of moved the goalposts and changed up what's the evil yeah. thing. Um, all a, flavor all a are bad. B is A. B is bad. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> That's okay. exactly what, a, what, how it goes. It's simple. If B, then yeah, bad. Yeah, it's gotcha. invalid logic. It's bullshit. The okay. the Freemasons are are sort of claimed to have or believed to have strong links to um, other secret societies like Bohemian Grove, um, Skull and Bones, the Globalists, uh, the Rhodes Scholars, <laughs> the Globalists, oh God, the Rhodes Scholars. Coming in here, <laughs> and um, and there's also sort of a conspiracy theory that the Freemasons are tied to the Ku Klux Klan and the Orange Order which is like an Ulster unionist group. I think that's probably, uh, like, I don't know, so I'm throwing this out there, but I'm pretty sure that's probably because there are likely members of the Ku Klux Klan who were also Freemasons. I Well, that's the thing. I don't really think there would be overlap because then you'd be paying dues to two organizations. That's true. That's a lot of dues. Because, like, cause like if, you've, if you've seen the movie um, Black Klansman, um, like, one of the it's things that, that was... That was sort of to note was that when he when he first talks to like David Duke, mm-hmm. he 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 like first makes sure that he's like paid his dues. I just want to go back real quick when you said the the Ulster Order. Are you talking about like the Orange Order? Yeah, yeah, the Orange Order. Those pieces of shit. Okay. There. Listen, I mean, I know that not everybody is going to be like hugely acquainted with the Orange Order, but they're like they're uh they're. <sighs> They're they're not they're basically protective of Protestant civil and religious liberties. They're not they're just sectarian. They're, they they have absolutely no desire to help anybody unless you're Protestant. And they're like they they intentionally are inflammatory towards. And if you know about Ireland, you know Catholic and Protestant are like oil and water. So they'll march through Catholic and like Irish nationalist neighborhoods. Yeah, it's basically intentionally it, just be be fucking inflammatory and violent, just a bunch of fucking assholes. Like, they're not good people. If you've seen that episode of Dairy Girls where they have to like get out of town because the the they because the Orange Order is going to march to their neighborhood and then they end up like driving their car into like the Orange Order parade and they all just <laughs> oh, I, I just still, like banging on their windows. That is still in my like I list. I got to watch that show. That. So Fuck yeah! Because uh, they're, they're Irish hilarious. Catholics, so they they're like, we gotta we gotta get we gotta get out of town. Oh my god! Yeah, no, there, 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 there was a lot of people that were like, oh, the Orange Order seems like, or I've talked to people who said the Orange Order seems like it's a decent organization because they do X Y Z, and it's like, yeah, but you just scratch the surface, just even just a little bit, just scratch scratch. The well, surface. that's like, that's fucking that right. That's fucking saying Jim Jones is a good dude. Look at all the good stuff Jim Jones is. Yeah, doing. but that's either ignorance or rationalization. Because as soon as you get more information about the order, you're like, you're obviously not gonna be for it. And if you and if you, know, you that's are, why I have to tell people, yo, like look, look a little bit below the surface. Right, on that. exactly. And if you continue to be, it's willful ignorance. Yeah. Um, and it's sort of like the religious conspiracy theories involving the Masons. Um, this is one that comes from like conservative Protestants. Is that like that? 
Freemasons who are higher up in the organization are deceiving those in the lower degrees. Because, um, you, you know, your, your rank in the Freemasons is your degree. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that the higher degrees are, are sort of um, sort of lying to the lower degrees, and that they'll eventually find out that it's like a, an occult religion. Um, that that you know, like they make it just seem like it's a club making pancakes. But when you get up to the higher degrees, you like learn that they actually worship Satan. Hell, Satan! It's and, always fucking and they, Satan. <sighs> and they use they use quotes um, from Albert Pike. Um, I think you mentioned him earlier. Um, he was he, he was a 19th century um, um, high-ranking member of the Scottish Rite, mm-hmm. um, and he was he was also a Confederate general. He was really from Massachusetts, and he Ugh. like he Ugh. went like he went like exploring in the Southwest, and then he like signed up with the Confederacy and was a, a general. Um, and, and there's also sort of um, this belief as well that if they don't worship the devil, they, they either worship Baal, Baphomet, uh, Dijal, or Rahu. Or Mephisto, or Diablo, or Baal, yeah. depending on any, what version any of, of the prime evils. Yeah, basically any of the prime <laughs> evils, and you're good. Um, and the... And they also sort of like there's also one that says that they believe or they worship a god that they've created called the great architect of the universe. Um, so basically, god or, for any or, other religion, or okay. Jabulon, um, it, which is an amalgam of of the gods um, Yahweh, Baal, and Osiris. Jesus. Oh, wait, Baal isn't like an actual god. Yes. Yeah, Baal is an actual um, Mesopotamian deity. Yeah. Also, also that. ranked okay. in the. Uh, in the uh, Catholic demon, he, yeah, he gets he gets brought up a lot because um, he I don't was a god him in, from my Catholic school demonology. You class. didn't have any. Oh. <laughs> they don't he teach was, you about um, that shit because it's so ridiculous. You'd be like, I'm noping out of this whole thing. Yeah, but I pay the fuck attention if you were like, so we have these demons now. Let's talk about these well, demons. Well, I oh, guarantee well, I you, paid attention as a fifth grader. But right. that's the that's the Freemason part of Catholicism is that unless you're a priest, you're not allowed to learn that stuff. See, yeah. the Catholics would shit on the Freemasons because they'd be like, yeah, the bigger members of the order, they're not telling you everything. But that's the same thing that happens in Catholicism and has always happened in Christianity. The people at the Boy, top yeah. don't give you all I, the information. I, I think abounds. I think part of the reason too why Catholics are the Catholic Church is opposed to Freemasonry is because the the Catholic Church is like a very like regressive organization. Sure. And I'm pretty and I'm pretty sure that like back in like the 18th century, since you know the Freemasons were very big and sort of like um, democratic sort of activists. Yeah. Um, sort of organizations that since they were very buddy buddy with like the kings and queens of Europe that they were just like yeah we, we got to put a kibosh on this you know people people can't be having democracy because then we don't have you know a king to say we're the religion yeah, yeah. Catholic religion is extremely conservative extremely now I mean, it was your average Catholic recently, can be like, any any like level yeah. of the spectrum but the religion itself is extremely conservative you get like you get like there's there's occasionally some like liberation like theology like Catholic priests, yeah. but they're like they're they're the exception. They're not the rule. Absolutely, like, they, the, ca- the Catholic like Church is not cool for with the Pope them. to say that gay marriage was okay. Yeah, like, it's not something that changes very often, and, and you know it, it's well, it's a con- it's a conservation to the to the old order, and that's essential. Well, J- JP two 
Yeah. Um, John, John Paul II, he, he did say, you know, that that gay sex was no different from heterosexual sex. Yeah. It's still wrong to do it out, out of wedlock or whatever, but he, he just essentially said they were the, the same. Same sin, essentially. Yeah. Is JP2 who we got right now? No, that's no. John Paul II was the Polish one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I'm talking about the guy that we have now. I can't I can't remember his name. But the guy we have now, the Pope now, was the one that said that gay marriage is acceptable, I thought. And he was more leaning towards science. Well, he he is, like, I want. he's more of a uh, uh, reasoning Pope, but he's still not perfect. Like, I'd say of, of, of all the Popes I've seen yeah. in my lifetime, he's the most open-minded. Be- Benedict, yeah. Like he's yeah. the most Benedict, willing to do yeah. some dumb shit. Benedict, that's his Cumberbatch. Name. I was going to say eggs, but... Okay. Or Pope, um. Pope Francis. Pope Benedict Pope was... Francis. Yeah, it's not Benedict. You're right. Benedict was the old German guy who's fucking crazy. Yeah. Benedict the the 16th, the one that's just sort of like hanging around in a closet somewhere in the Vatican. The one who looks like the Emperor, Palpatine. That's Benedict. I just Benedict. imagine... I just imagine like he's just sort of like... He comes down. Cause I, I think he's in the like his apartment is like next to the current popes. And I'm just imagining, you know, coming down to the kitchen, and like when when Pope Francis is there, and them just like not like saying anything to each other, but just sort of staring at each other for a moment before he like <laughs> goes away. You be careful while I'm alive. You be careful. <laughs> um, there, there are um, there there's sort of conspiracy theories that Freemasons are sort of putting a cult imagery and influences into popular culture um that they're sort of putting symbols and numerology um into like corporate logos um and, and there's also the belief that um that when the united states was founded that the freemasons um put their symbols into american society you know the national seals um the street plan of, of washington dc the architecture the dollar bill um Things this like is that. called schizophrenia, dear. Well, there are actually paranoid schizophrenia. There are Masonic symbols on our money. I mean, yeah. yeah, you got the pyramid with the eye on the back of the one, but I mean, like overall, there's Masonic symbols in a lot of old uh, logos, and everybody's trying to do this. Okay, that's called paranoid. There's Masonic symbols in a lot of old, like uh, revolutionary, like architecture and things like that. That's they're all over the place, but that's because they were fucking yeah. Masons, not because the Masons control it. It was yeah. it was just like putting in like like a it, like something you and the other ones know. It's it not not like that power. Just like hey, see that thing or like it's like the hidden Mickey. You know, like <laughs> hey. Wow, we just went there. <laughs> the hidden Mickey. Yeah, there's there's like hidden Mickey's in like Disney. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just a very bland like secret logo where everybody's like ooh ooh the masons ooh I wonder what they were doing and there's a bunch of guys that like when they made it they're just like we just built this thing y'all are well, y'all reading way too much um, into it I've said it already a couple times but essentially I, and it could be I think there might be something to the Catholics like interpretation of it because I think that a lot of orders end up that way they they hold it's like Scientology like you were talking about before the podcast is like they hold up this like secret and they're like it's up here right and you're gonna get it you, you're definitely gonna get it well you know i'm i'm sure i'm sure there was also some things too like with um the the knights templar uh yeah, yeah, where as an organization they began to exert too much power and then the king of france just had them all like put to death yeah well yeah. It, it wasn't no it was because they it wasn't because they controlled a lot of money lending essentially and they, well they well no they owed him money 
No, he owed them. He owed them money. He owed them money. Yeah. yeah, he owed them money, and that that because they were so that that they had such a, like a control over the money lending industry that he just like put them to death instead of pay them. Yeah, yeah. I thought I thought the 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 going con- conspiracy well not conspiracy because it's actually the real thing but I thought the going thing was that the Jewish people were always the money lenders because Catholicism they w- allow money they lending. were that's the the theory anyway but and it actually was the reality in a lot of areas but the uh, and it's what started that whole stereotype but the thing is is that the the uh, Knights Templar lent money they just did and they became really powerful because of that and so. That was their, that was I, their downfall. Well, I think they they did it, but they didn't charge interest. It was sort of like uh, Muslim banking is today. Because the illegality or the sin is is in charging interest. Be, because Muslims can't charge interest on on loans. Like they they still like they still have the provision against usury. Um, so oh. like so like with a Muslim like bank, like usually they don't charge interest. Like it's just considered like. I'm letting you borrow this, and you're going to pay me back the full amount. I'm not going to charge you interest. That makes a lot of sense now. That explains and answers a lot of questions that I've had for like a decade now. Cool. Perfect. I did not realize that Islam looked down on usury. Okay. Some some other conspiracy theories to, to sort of um, to, to wind down that section is um, that the Masons faked the Apollo moon landing. True. Of course. Um that the September 11th attacks were astrological in nature, and that they're part of a hidden war between the Masons, who are descendants of the Knights Templar and Islam, um, and that the the Masons are um, that they're connected um, to to sort of like Jack the Ripper, um, which is you know, really that they don't even know who the fuck Jack the Ripper is. How the fuck are you going to connect him to him? Well, it because there's that um, that graphic novel called From Hell. Yep. <laughs> which is by which is by which is by Alan Moore. Yeah, and it and it like the the premise of the book is based on this like theory that like the Jack the Ripper murders were actually like occultic in nature, and that it was all part of like rituals that like a Freemason lodge was doing. I mean, the thing the um, thing is is again, it's like if you had a secret organization, and there's like unlimited amount of room for you to make something up it fits yeah because you can and, make anything and that fit. they were and they were of course connected to the death of john f kennedy oh yeah absolutely but sam giancana freemason <laughs> so and then and then sort <laughs> of killed to, by a secret service agent God damn it. to to close us out we're going to talk about a little proper or a little to close us out um conspiracy fact to close to play us out <laughs> um we're going to talk about propaganda do. Wait, what? Um, I, I think it's I think it's actually propaganda due. What, what, would, what would it be in Italian, Steve? Propaganda what? Two? Due. Is it D-U-A? D, like D-U-E. Du- How would due. you say that in Italian? Due. Due. Yeah. yeah. So, in in Italy, um, there was this founding of a, of a lodge in 1877 in Turin called the Propaganda uh, Masonica. Um, and it was sort of a lodge that was made by government officials and politicians um, from across Italy um, who were unable to attend their own lodges. So again, it's like the military lodge that the British Army had. Okay. Um, and and also um, some prominent members of the nobility of Piedmont were, were members. Right, which is um, a, okay. Piedmont is definitely, it's like an autonomous nation at the time, right? Yeah, because this is, this is around the formation of Italy. Okay this time in 1877 right um 
and, and the name the name was changed to Propaganda Do following um, World War II, um, when the Grand Lodge of Italy um, numbered its lodges. So I guess it would be Due because this is Due Two. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's um, and and so by the 1960s, um, the lodge is all but like inactive. They they only hold a couple meetings, um, and it, it had a very little to do with another lodge that was set up by um, by a guy named Lucio Gali that was established in um, 1966, two years after he became a, a Freemason. And so uh, Freemasonry in Italy had been outlawed by the by the fascist regime of Benito Mussolini. Um, but after World War II, it, it sort of like goes into a resurgence um, because the like American authorities are sort of encouraging it as sort of an anti-communist like, bulwark. Okay. Um, so un- under this like reorganization, um, it-, it becomes like very fervently anti-communist and-, and sort of promoting like sort of like these like free-thinking ideals. Um, but in the 1960s, um, the influence of sort of like the communists and the left in Italy is like on the rise, and so the Masons of Italy become deeply worried about this. Hmm. In 1971, the Grand Mas- uh, the Grand Master um, Lino Salvini um, of the Grand Orient of Italy, which is the largest Masonic lodge in Italy, um, he assigns Geli um, the task of reorganizing the lodge. Um, and so he, he takes a list, uh, what's called of sleeping members, um, members not invited to participate in Masonic rituals anymore. Um, for, for whatever reason? He, or it, Just because they were under close scrutiny from the, um, from the Christian Democrats who were in power. Oh, okay, okay. Um, so because they're, they're under scrutiny, they're, they're not like they've, they've been, they, they, they're told they can't participate in rituals anymore. Um, and he okay. uses these people um, to build a, a network um, throughout the echelons of the Italian like government. Wow. Um, and so in, in 1976, um, the Grand Lodge of the Grand Orient of Italy um, officially expels Geli. Um, and the and the and the P two Lodge um, from um, to to sort of like he, he they get expelled. So they just get um, <laughs> they just get taken out for for whatever. Let's get the fuck out of here. So in, in 1974, it was proposed um, that that P two be erased from the list of lodges um, by the Grand Orient of Italy, and, and the motion was carried over um, carried through overwhelmingly um, because it's mostly this lodge of just people who who they don't really. Um, want to to have around for various reasons, political reasons, um, and we'll, we'll we'll sort of get to that. Um, okay. So it, but it seems that in in 1976 um, they had only been suspended, not actually like expelled. Um, huh. And then so Gelly was found to be active um, in the Grand Orient's national affairs um, two years later, and he also finances the election of the new Grand Master. So, they actually, even though they said they were expelled, they were not expelled. They're, they were secretly they're not expelled. in the lodge, still. Yeah. They're, so, even though they say, like, these guys are expelled, um, they're not really expelled. How the hell does that work? They're, they're, they're like, you know, they're, they're a deniable asset, I guess you could say. Wow. They're, they're super secret. Oh, okay. They just kind of, uh, if they, uh, uh, the way I kind of get it is like, you're expelled from my lodge, 
Um, and if you try to basically say, oh, I'm a member of such such lodge, I'm just going to be like, I don't know who the fuck that dude is. <laughs> So and, and we'll, we'll, we'll get to why they we'll we'll get to why they did that. Right. In, in 1977, the P2 Lodge they they took control of a of a newspaper called the Quaria della Sera newspaper, which was a leading paper in Italy. The the paper had run into financial troubles, and they couldn't raise bank loans because the the editor Piero uh, Ottone um, was considered hostile to the ruling uh, government of Italy. Yeah, okay. the the Christian Democrats. Again. Okay. Okay. Um, so so Corriere's owners, the publishing house uh, Rizzoli, um, struck a deal with Gelli. Um, he provided the sort of the funding um, from the Vatican Bank in order to, to keep them open and sort of bought them out. Otone was fired, and the paper's editorial line shifted to the right. And in 1980. The paper published a long interview with Gelly. The the interview was carried out on television and a and with a talk show host, um, Maurizio uh, Costanzo. Can't Stanzo. Who would <laughs> who would also be exposed as a member of the P two Watch? And in it, Gelly says that he's in favor of rewriting the Italian constitution towards a what's called a Gaullist political system, um, sort of like Charles de Gaulle. Um, almost becoming like a dictatorial president. Dude, isn't mm-hmm. Gelly a fucking fascist? I don't know if he's exactly a fascist, but he does have fascist leadings, which we'll get to. Okay. When when he was asked what he wanted to be, he replied, "A puppet master." Oh my god! Wow. And 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 around this time, P two member um, uh, get members um, such as Gelly and the head of the Secret Service, um, Pietro Musumisi, were condemned for trying to mislead the police investigation of what was called the, the Bologna Massacre, which happened on August 2nd, 1980. I'm going to need you to pronounce uh, that correctly. It's the Bologna Massacre. The Bologna Massacre. <laughs> um, which which killed 85 people and wounded more than 200. It was, a, it was a terrorist bombing believed to have been done by a neo-fascist terrorist organization, called the Nuclei Armati Revolutionary, the Armed Revolutionary Nuclei. The Armani um, Revolutionary Nucleus. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Y'all dress poorly. And, in, and not long after this, um, in 1981, um, a Masonic tribunal decided that the 1974 vote that did happen did mean that the Lodge had been um, sort of um, done away with, that it had factually ceased to exist. And that um, Masonically and politically, it had been illegal. So, so they're sort of like catching up to the fact that you know that the lodge was not actually removed from the rolls. Wow! Because people are starting to look at Gelly, you know, because he's helping these um, the, these terrorists, seemingly. And then, so what happens is is that the the activities of the P two lodger are discovered by by prosecutors while they're investigating the murder of of Michel uh, Sindona due to the collapse of his bank and his ties to the mafia. What? Um, in, Mar- in March of 1981, the police find a list of alleged members in, in Gelly's house in Arezzo when they when they sort of search no. it. No. It contained 962 names. Among them were important state officials, politicians, and a number of military officers, including the heads of three Italian secret services. Who's, this is why you don't who's write on down. this list? Right there. Uh, Silvio Berlusconi was on the list, um, but he hadn't entered into politics. Get at that the time. fuck out of here! Uh, uh, the son um, Victor Emmanuel, the son of the last Italian king, was on the list. 195 officers of different armed forces, which included 12 generals of the 
Carabinieri. Um, five of the financial police. Carabinieri. Um, those are the Carabinieri. Those are the Carabinieri. Yo, those dudes are crazy, yo. Guardia, the Guardia di Finanzia. 22 of the Army, 4 of the Air Force, and 8 admirals. As well as 44 members of Parliament, 3 ministers, and a secretary of a political party. Leading magistrates, a few prefects, and heads of police. Bankers and businessmen, civil service, civil servants, journalists, and broadcasters. Jesus. And among them was the top of the um, Banco di Roma, which is um, Italy's third largest bank at that time. Um, and the former director general of the Banca uh, Nazionale de Lavoro, um, the country's largest. Wow. Interesting. Dude, that's crazy, man. Um, the prime minister at that time, um, Arnaldo uh, Forlani, who's who's head of his cabinet was a P2 member as well, um, appointed a parliamentary commission of inquiry headed by the independent Christian Democrat, um, Tina Anselmi, to look into this. So essentially, uh-huh. a group of whack jobs uh, who formed a Masonic order out of people, or a schismatic Masonic group that was uh, basically a bunch of people they didn't want to be in the normal Masons, was banned from the Masons and never actually removed from the roles, so was actually not banned, was really in the Masons, and <laughs> contains hundreds of people who are influential from the top to the bottom of, it- of Italian government. And there's there's even some people who believe that the list was not the full membership. That it was just like a, a leaf of it, like that he left laying around. Yeah, that... Yeah, that they think that the, there might have been as many as, like, 1,600 people in it. Oh, my God. Why would you write that all down, though? Um, like, that's a, so that's a lot of people down. to remember, I mean. And <laughs> it, it it's like, you know, it's like Jeffrey Epstein's, like, black book. It, oh, God. He probably, because you know this guy, like, he's, he's the head of the secret organization, you know, he's buying up newspapers. He probably sees himself as untouchable. So he probably thinks he can just leave a list of like all the people in his organization lying around. Clown. He's such a clown. Um, so in, in May of 1981, the prime minister has, is forced to resign due to the scandal, and it, and it causes the fall of the current Italian government. Like they, they have to hold parliamentary elections. Gotcha. Um, okay. And, and in 1982, the, the P2 Lodge was definitively abolished um, by, by law. When I, when by I, I was born, 20. by the way. <laughs> Which is the law, Janu- the law, twenty-five January nineteen eighty-two, number seventeen. Is that a Masonic law or an Italian law? That's an Italian law. Wow. Um, why? Why were they 19- banned? Like, I don't understand. Like in the U.S., you can't. They're not going to have a law to ban a Freemason organization. They they just let us exist. That's because it's our. Freedom. Yeah, no, I, I get that. <laughs> I know why it's stupid, but I'm just saying. Like, what? I don't understand. I, well, for one, I, I think it's because you had this secret organization that was trying Subvert to usher the government. A, a, a fascistic like regime behind the scenes. And also, too, I know in Germany they have laws about stuff like this um, because of World War II, and I would imagine Italy has the same, that they probably do have laws on the book that prevents like secret organizations Dude, from like con- controlling the government in this fashion. I just looked up uh, Licio Gelli, and he's, uh, he was a member of the National Fascist Party fascist party uh he was actually yeah it says political party national fascist party republican fascist party 
So this guy, who wanted to be a puppet master, was a member of the fascist party in World War II. So I think it's even more prescient, what you're saying, that uh, he is, you know, prop like any organization that he's been involved with, the Italian government definitely would like to distance themselves from it, because it's almost like having a former Nazi in Germany run a political party. Or like yeah. finding out that they're like trying to subvert the the uh, current government. Because because at the time he's not actually like it, it shows his uh, political party as being like fascist. Sure. I don't think he was a member of like an actual. Well, yeah, like, I got you. Like he there was no real like. Well, I'm sure they were still there were people who were still around. Well, though. he was. He was. He was a, the quote unquote fascist party. He he sense, was. I guess. He he was a, a member of the the Italian social movement, which is like a fascist party. Right. But that's I think is the more like pressing analogy that was the the Nazis. Like it's yeah. like literally like being uh, not to Godwin's law, but it's like literally being, you know, a member of the Nazi party in the eighties, and Simon Wiesenthal like well, just missed you or something. <laughs> Al Pacino well, couldn't find of- you. Uh, everything this- you've been describing is called. His name is Steve King, and he is a congressman from Iowa. <laughs> well, disgu- well, a disgusting oh, piece of shit. Well, a lot of this probably has ties to to Operation Gladio too. What's that? Operation Gladio was this sort of like CIA plan where they would sort of like arm these like fascist organizations in Europe as sort of like stay behind organizations to like be a resistance if the Soviet Union invaded. Um, so the CIA gave like arms and weapons and training to these like fascist groups. We, we know about, um, we know about, Italy. can we please just do a fucking episode on the CIA already? Like, holy yeah, but shit. the entire these time we do the episode, Ryan, we have to constantly refer to the CIA as in Minecraft. Because that, that way we, we don't get in names, trouble. We no, we don't have to change our names. We can just say, so the CIA in Minecraft did this. And you can just be like, in Minecraft. And then, you know, we'll, we'll evade their oh, censors. God. I feel like there's enough there's enough information on the CIA and the shit they've pulled that you could, we could we sure. could fill up five episodes C- between us three yeah. clowns. If you had somebody who well, had like an actual two, research team Two clowns them. and a, a professional librarian slash researcher. <laughs> because <laughs> because the thing about like we know about gladio because of it, it got revealed in italy in like 1990 it, it was revealed like in a in a parliamentary like inquiry that they that they announced that it had like that it had gone on but there was beliefs- like a conference like the xbox reveal <laughs> kind of <laughs> we want to show you operation gladios for 19 19- Oh and then and then he yelled and then he yelled propaganda do it uh, and then he just oh like, my hey, god jumped I don't think Ryan got do that it. joke but uh, <laughs> have you ever seen the uh, what was it uh, a Peggle the Peggle two. two announcement at E three <laughs> I know I probably have because I've watched it well this is like a meme like go go just on YouTube search search Peggle two E three you'll you'll know what we mean yeah after after we're done it's so good. Um, so in, in July of 1982, um, new documents sort of come to light when, um, Gelly's daughter is, is sort of searched at an airport, um, in Rome. The, the documents are entitled that are found in the false bottom of a suitcase. Nice. Um, memorandum sola situazione italiana, uh, memorandum on the Italian situation, 
Piano di Renascita Democratica, uh, Plan of Democratic Rebirth, and are seen um, and are seen as sort of like the political program that P2 has planned for Italy. Um, and so these these documents essentially lay out that the main enemies of Italy were the the Italian Communist Party and the trade unions. Oh my god! And, and their plan was to isolate. Um, and, and sort of prevent any cooperation um, between the two. Um, because the, the second biggest party in Italy at that time, and one of the largest in Europe, was the Italian Communist Party. Right. Um, and, and so um, it also proposed um, a compromise um, that, that there would be this compromise with uh, Aldo Moro, um, who Aldo Moro, Aldo Moro was, he was like this um, Christian Democrat, mm -hmm. and he was planning on doing like a rapprochement with the communists oh. um, because he, he they, they sort of wanted to stop him because he was becoming closer and closer with them um, so his, his plan in, in this is that um, he wanted the he wanted the political and economic elite of Italy um, to, to sort of like move Italy away from sort of having a, a communist government and, and it wanted to do this through an authoritarian form of, of democracy, that sort of Gaullist regime that I pointed out. Wow. Um, and, and, it, and it would sort of do this through uh, extensive political corruption. Um, and, and it would just sort of like solicit um, political parties, newspapers, trade unions um, it, to, to just sort of win them over. So, like, again, these are not actually Freemasons. These are, but they are Freemasons in Italy. How do how yeah. do other lodges feel about that? Um, not not good. <laughs> because they they do Very bad, essentially Nazis do were allowed to remain in the lodge, and that's bad for conspiracy um, theories too. Because then they they just seem all the more real. Um, and it also claims that they have the availability of thirty to forty billion lira, um, to um to to just sort of um take control of the country. Where is Italian pesos? Yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you. I never went to Italy and I had no idea. I didn't take a three-week trip to fucking Italy and stay in Rome for three weeks. No, not at all. Um, the, 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 you fucking prick. The commendatory. <laughs> fucking prick. Listen, commendatory. That's the only reason... That's the only reason I know that in Rome there's like 36 different law enforcement agencies, including the Cabinetti, the National Finance, like the Financial Police. Oh, yeah. Like it's insane. And there was a huge riot that was going on when I was there, specifically against the president. Were you um, there when Berlusconi maybe, was there? I don't know. It was in 2016 or 2017. Excuse me, when this happened. Uh, um, I think he was. Well, in I have there. a bunch of pictures on my phone, but it was a bunch of people protesting at the presidential palace in Rome, and they had to like remove him with this gigantic convoy of like trucks and cars leaving out the bottom of the presidential palace, and um, like they were just throwing beer bottles at it and waving flags. It, to everybody that was there on the ground, everybody seemed drunk and fun and cool. But if you were the president, I could be see being absolutely fucking terrified by this massive amount of people that were like, we're going to kill you if we Jesus. see you. In Minecraft. It was pretty crazy. I was getting texts from people that were like, don't stand there. You need to go back to your Airbnb because you're not Italian and you can get the shit kicked out of you. Just oh, my God. <laughs> um, so the, the parliamentary um, commission that was looking into um, P2, um, it, it, it decided that P2 was a cr secret criminal organization. And 
they they found um, ties or there there are allegations through this that they had a relationship with um, Argentina. Um, uh, Gelly was 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 reportedly a a close friend of uh, Juan Perón, who was at that time the dictator of um, Argentina. Mm-hmm. And um, and some people were suspected of having an affiliation with the CIA. Oh God! So you're saying um, the and, and that was that was also partly confirmed that the U.S. was involved in that that the CIA that that some of the members of the P2 Lodge did have connections uh, to the CIA. Not that the CIA was like pulling the strings with P2, but that some of these like but they had a foothold and, in the door. Yeah, that they that they knew some of these people. Unbelievable. And and so the the majority report on this said that um, that they said about P2. Um, the pollution of the public life of a nation, it aimed to alter often in decisive faction the correct functioning of the institutions of the country, according to a project which intended to undermine our democracy. Um, yeah. And then the minority the minority report um, by Massimo uh, Teodori um, essentially stated that P2 was not just in a normal outgrowth um, from an essentially healthy system. Um but it was also an inherent part of the system itself. Okay. Wait, explain explain uh, what that means. It, it was essentially saying that, that they were just sort of a personification of the corruption that exists within the Italian Oh, government. okay. I thought that's what you were saying, that he's like basically talking shit about the corruption. Yeah, that he's... Because remember, this is the minority party. Sure. Yeah, so the, the, the minority is, is sort of saying, like, this is... Um, this is just how shit is, and you're just getting to see it firsthand now. Yeah. This isn't, like, some special shit. There's literally yeah. fascist dictatorial movements inside the government right now, and it's being controlled by other people. And a, a new a new Italian law was made um, that, that essentially banned what are called secret lodges. Um, and and the, what it makes illegal is it prohibits lodges that don't, um, that, that don't post their locations and dates of meeting. Oh wow! Um, that you can't have like secret meetings and secret like locations that you meet in. Okay. Um, Fair. Grand Orient of Italy, um, they took disciplinary action against the members um, with P2 connections and distanced itself from Gelly's Lodge. Other laws were also introduced on the prohibition, or the prohibition on membership um, in alleged secret organizations for state officials, meaning that. Um, Meaning that, like, if you're a military officer, you couldn't be a mason anymore. Um, but these laws have recently... What? That's, that's dumb. These these laws, though, have been um, sort of put up by the European Court of Human Rights has essentially questioned the validity of these laws because there was a, um, a court case involving a British naval officer and the court established that, that it's illegal, um, that the illegality of any member nation attempting to ban Masonic membership for um, military officers is a breach of um, human rights. True. And so we ended out with a little conspiracy fact. Jeez. Um, <laughs> about propaganda due. Um, and, and so next week, um, we're, we're going to talk about the Illuminati. <laughs> the, the Bavarian Illuminati. Um, and we'll also talk about Skull and Bones and the Bilderberg Group. You should yes. not have been Make sure you, you uh, suffix what you're saying with in Minecraft because in Minecraft. we need to make it to next week. And you just <laughs> you just fucked us, Steve. <laughs> I mean, everyone knows where we are, right? We're home. 
home self distancing, self quarantining. Jesus, the perfect, Jesus the perfect Christ. place to do it. And on that note, would you say that the Rosicrucians and the Freemasons are groups of contrast? How about just all secret societies are <laughs> groups of contrast? <laughs> many, many. All contrast. secret societies at their core are the same shit. Essentially, all Basically. religions, all of them, they all have the same similar structure and order. All religions are for sure, but I won't get into that because we're yeah. leaving. We're out. <laughs> we're out. We out. <laughs>